The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. You're listening to Very Loose Women. Hello listeners, Very Loose Women and studio guests. Before we get started on the show, I thought we'd do a kind of mini quiz. So I'm going to play a piece of music from a hit teen movie and whoever guesses the teen film first will win my undying admiration. Let's hear it. with my homies from the hit film Clueless and of course Charlie got it within I'd say I don't know five seconds or is that too many yeah two, I, feel, I feel like it was one or two okay sorry <laughs> two possibly two seconds it was impressive um, so congratulations you don't actually win anything so of course we are very list women on resonance 104.4 fm I'm Emma Leo Catherine and tonight we are joined by teen movie aficionado Charlie Lyon is that fair yeah, that's perfectly fair. Thank you. Um, thanks, thanks for joining us tonight. To give a bit of background to you, you started Ultra Culture... That's very hard to say, actually. Ultra Culture Film Blog at 16. It was six or seven years of struggling to pronounce that. Can you do it now? <laughs> Ultra Culture. Yeah, right. just about. It's hard. You got picked up by the film programme and you've also made two feature-length films more recently, Beyond Clueless and Fear Itself. So start a question for everyone. What is the first film you remember watching? I'm sure that when we were kids we were watching like films that weren't really films. What? Interesting. Yeah, go on. <laughs> like cartoons or something. But I think like the first like proper movie that I just remember it because when I was about 15, not my first film. But Definitely not the first film you've ever seen. But when before. I was about 15, I remember watching The Wizard of Oz and I was watching it and I realised that I was singing along and I knew all of the words and it was the ah. creepiest thing. And then it became even more creepy the other day when I was listening to Radio 4 and they said that that the snow is actually asbestos. <laughs> oh, in the movies, the yeah. snow, you snow, it's actually... Yeah, oh. so the whole time they were getting lung cancer. Wait, why? Why would it have been asbestos? It was, because that they didn't know. It definitely know. wasn't. <laughs> no, no. Oh, lively yeah, yeah. debate on the show. <laughs> That's what I'd yeah. like to hear. Because I know, like, they didn't know about asbestos in the past. They did But, like, they weren't just throwing it around for fun. <laughs> they were! They didn't know in the sense that they were using it as a building material, and no. that was a bad idea. No, Not, no. like, chucking it around on the set of The Wizard of Oz. They were chucking it around on the set of The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Not only that, but the Tin Man... Initially, it was a different tin man, and they painted him with actual tin. Okay, and he yeah, was that actually is true. And then it was taken over by another. Actor. It wasn't actual tin. Oh, I don't know. But what he lead was, paint. He was allergic to the makeup they used. But the next I feel like we're getting a lot, of, a lot of misinformation on this broadcast, and I apologise for that. <laughs> um, the first film that I remember watching, I think this is true, but maybe I was very young. I feel like I saw Sleeping Beauty at the cinema, and when I revisit that film, I feel like it's kind of Stockholm syndrome. Like, he's kind mm. of kidnapped her, but then she falls in love with him. Like, that's creepy. It's very dark. 
Uh, what about you guys? The first time you remember watching? Or maybe you don't remember. I can't remember at home. The first film I ever saw in the cinema, or one of the earliest I ever saw in the cinema, was Matilda. And it know. nearly... It, well, it scared me so much that I kind of, as a four or five-year-old, vowed I would never go back to the cinema. And <laughs> I thought you were going to say never eat chocolate cake again. Genuinely didn't for two years. So I didn't go back to the cinema until I was tempted back in by Good Burger, the Keenan and Kel film. I have to admit, I've actually never watched that cinematic gem. I can't it's, believe oh, I've it's not absolutely seen it. brilliant. But even that, like, I remember I had to like wait in the lobby until the trailers were over because that was like an unknown entity, and I only felt safe to venture back in once I knew it was like Keenan and Kel style hijinks. Catherine, what about you? Do you the first film I went to see at the cinema was Aladdin. And I remember I went with my dad and we made a big deal out of the fact it was my first ever time in the cinema and I managed to sit the whole way through without needing to go for a wee and everything. So it was everyone was very pleased with me. <laughs> they were they were pleased about that. But I don't know whether that's the first film I kind of saw because we watched a lot of films in the house. But you know, that was back in the days where we had a TV where you had to bash it on the side because the screen would be kind of ripped like revolving round because it was so bad it would go black Did and white. Did you grow up in the 60s? <laughs> we just, we've never been a very technologically enabled household but um, you know that was like an event I remember being excited driving getting the popcorn having the, the experience being the cinema and then I actually remember the next two films I saw in the cinema as well um, and I think they were quite spaced apart I saw Little Women and Black Beauty Little Women was playing in the cinema what the, not, not the Catherine Hepburn no, the the one with Winona Ryder How and Christian Bale <laughs> famously having a kiss with a, a very long tendril of saliva. It was it was actually quite a sexualized uh, snog. But I remember so those were the sexy. three films I kind of saw, I think, like under the age of 10 with just like a parent and not friends as a social thing. And what was the kind of first film that people really loved? Because I was obsessed with The Little Mermaid. In my mind, I think I used to watch it like every single day, which probably can't be true. And I feel like when I watched it, like every time I watched it, something different happened. Like I'd always be like, that didn't happen last time because I was like five and I really believe it. Like every time I watched it, it was different. Oh, wow. Probably not true. <laughs> also, it kind of, now that I think about it, links, in, links into quite a traumatic memory. Listeners of the show will know that when I was like five, I had quite a traumatic uh, vaginal injury at my after school club. And um, after that injury, I, w I came into like the kind of after school helpers and I was like, I've hurt myself. But they refused to understand what I was talking about. And they were like, just watch this film. And they put me down in front of a little mermaid. And I forgot all about my injuries. So it's a happy memory and That's a traumatic memory. Film. Yes, it is. It is <laughs> the power of healing within the little mermaid. Um, what about you guys? Any traumatic or at least what's the first one you really loved? I don't know. Like, my parents had this thing where we had to learn French when I was growing up. So we had VHSs only in French. And so the one that I liked was the one that contained very little language, which was The Bear, which is actually a French film. It's Jean-Jacques Henault. Um, and it's a bear. And it's really sad. It's heartbreaking. It, the, the kid loses its mom. And then, and then the kid takes magic <laughs> The kid takes magic mushrooms. That in doesn't seem likely. Yeah, it does. It has this whole like trippy scene. It was like really, it's really frightening as like a six-year-old to watch that. Yeah, it's a great film though. What about you guys? The first one you ever really loved? I remember having like, it was always dependent on just sort of what I had the most access to, I think, in that I don't, I don't think I developed taste by that point. Mm, I don't think I developed taste till I was about 16. So like... <laughs> I'm still waiting. The thing that I had was I had two of those, you know, those slightly oversized VHS boxes that were usually like ex-rental. So the, the Apollo video down the road had like an ex-rental section. And I remember I had extra large video box editions of Jack 
the oh, yeah, uh, Francis Williams. Ford Coppola. Oh, no, different one. <laughs> it is the same one. What? You know that's, that's directed Fran- by Francis Ford no. Coppola. Nobody knew that. Yeah. I, I didn't did, did know, right? yeah, did yeah, know yeah. this film. Oh, it, my God. Uh, Robin, Williams. Robin Williams has a sort of slightly unspecified uh, developmental condition that means that he ages ten times faster than, or four times faster, I think, than yeah, normal people. And so creepy. he looks 40 when he's 10. <laughs> so he's like going to school as a ten-year-old, but he's like actually looks forty. So he's just Robin Does he Williams. Does he like for an advertising agency? At he's at school. No, he's a child. He's at no, that's big. He... That's, that's a Tom Hanks. Yeah, big. 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 yeah, no, I am. This has Jennifer Lopez. I, I have no idea what this thing with. Yeah, I've never. Heard well, you of should it. see it. It's from The Godfather's Francis Ford Coppola, and that I'll is very surprising information. Work. <laughs> and then the other one I had was the third in the franchise, uh, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. <laughs> oh, I've seen oh my gosh, those are great films. Though. You've gone for a sequel. I didn't know that it was a sequel. I just thought that was the first one when I first saw it. I, I didn't really understand. It's also the the fun fact about that film. Pretty much the only fun fact about that film is it's the film debut of Mia Kunis. She's like no she's like a six year old child in it. Yeah. I have a really brief film question. So you know you have like a film and then a sequel. Is the third one called a threequel? Because in my head I'm always like, oh, it's a threequel. People I mean, do. it should be. People do. People okay, do. good. I thought it was original, but evidently not. Okay, so you started your career as a teenage film critic. How did you end up starting your blog, and how did it expand? Um, I think someone I was at school with had started a podcast, and I was sort of jealous of the uh, creative ambition that that spoke to. So I started like a kind of nondescript website slash podcast. It was like I had two fronts. It was like it was better than him. And originally it was this kind of amorphous thing, hence the terrible title ultra culture that would i don't know cover like culture at large because like a 15 year old teenager from south london had like really big things to say on the nature of culture um but i just quickly found around the time that i was developing taste um that i had much more interest and much more to say about film than anything else so it kind of narrowed to that and yeah over the course of a couple of years i was just lucky that people started reading it I want to talk about Beyond Clueless because I think we're all real like teen film fans on the show. I don't know about you, Ilya. Kind of. We've had a kind. Of, well, you're going to get an education today. Okay. So how did that film come about? So is it right? So it's kind of essay slash love letter montage to American teen films. Yeah, basically, it's um, it's essentially an essay film, which is a genre that is generally used for quite sort of esoteric academic purposes. Um, and this is a slightly more kind of accessible. Uh, strand of essay film but yes it's built from other films um is the easiest way to explain it um in this case 200 or so teen movies mostly from the kind of mid 90s to mid noughties which is the period i grew up with are you looking at us like we're a lot older (laughs) (laughs) which is what i grew up no no just because the first question i always get uh from anyone of any age is like why didn't you explore the teen movies of my youth they're the best ones uh, so I was sort of seeing seeing that criticism off at the past from any well, of your listeners. We're 88 to 87, but we're old souls. So. <laughs> <laughs> I do really think it's interesting about having Clueless as like this definitive piece and then using that as the point from which you then explore kind of films after. What is it about Clueless that makes it such a seminal kind of work? I think it's like, I mean, that was the other thing that made that title a bad idea is that a lot of people kind of thought it was like a making of Clueless or something specifically (laughs) about Clueless. And actually, Clueless 
almost doesn't feature at all. It pops up like once or no. twice. But yeah. I agree exactly with what you said. Like for me, what's interesting about it is that it's like this spark. And it is, mm. I think, in terms of release dates, it's like the first one of that era that really kicks off this whole trend. And you even see how there aren't that many in 95 when Clueless came out. But by about 96, 97, by the time it's had time to kind of percolate through the system, there's just this avalanche of teen movies. And I think, it, you know, on a kind of fairly boring financial level, it was just this proof that this genre could work. Like you had gone through this half decade after the kind of John Hughes golden era Mm -hmm. where teen movies didn't really work. And you had films like Pump Up the Volume or or that kind of weird mid-period teen movie that just didn't take off at all and in fact lost money even though these movies are very cheap to produce whereas Clueless cost like 20 million and made like 100 million and so instantly that was just proof that there was an audience for these things. I think also Clueless like Clueless is definitely one of my top two teen movies ever like I, I love Clueless like I live for Clueless and I think my parents initially like introduced me to Clueless like they'd seen it and they were like oh you should watch this film so maybe it's also like quite accessible or maybe my parents are just weird to so also non-teens I think it's a bit smarter than a lot of the stuff out there. And, you know, you have an interesting group of female leads. Like, you know, it makes no bones about the fact that sometimes they act in a really silly way and they don't support each other. But it's actually something that I would be happy watching with a 12-year-old or, you know, uh, I'm sure someone who's in their 60s would enjoy it. Like, it kind of appeals to a different audience. Whereas a lot of, like, say, gross-out teen films actually are just... They're kind of, like, laddish and they're not very nice and you've got lots of, like, sexism and that kind of thing. So I just feel like the appeal really still is there. Maybe uncomfortable to watch it with your stepbrother. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking from experience. Um, So I guess we all love teen movies. What do we all love about them? Like, why do we all love them? I think the first thing that I thought of was actually that in a lot of teen movies that I've watched, it's quite sunny. And I like, I quite like films that are sunny because the lighting is good and I don't have to like kind of squint when I'm watching it. Whereas, say, horror movies, it's generally quite dark or Ratatouille. <laughs> Ratatouille, that, that wonderful film. Yeah, what about it? What's the lighting like in that movie? Quite dark. Quite dark. Um, no, but also, I, I think it's also that the characters have all of these concerns that aren't jobs and money, but there are lots of other concerns that it's nice to kind of focus on those ones for a while. Because they're no longer your concerns than they were in the past. You're kind of like, oh, I'm free of all these like trivial concerns, but it's nice to kind the of re- revisit them. The characters in the film are. Like, I mean, you you know, because you focus on, what is that? You, you like identify with the main character. And so you're like, oh, I don't need to think about paying rent or anything. I think it's just, it's kind of interesting because all the kind of cliques and stuff you see, it's like such a different kind of like almost hyper, hyper real, hyper ridiculous version mm. of what we have at school in the UK mm. on my personal like high school experience. There weren't really those cliques. Obviously, they were like kind of geeky people, kind of sporty people, people who were like less popular and people were popular, but like not to the degree of that kind of segregation that seems to occur in these kind of films. So I kind of, I guess I find that like really fun. And also like, yeah, it's really frivolous, I guess. Yeah. That's what I like about teen movies. My school have very defined cliques and the really bitchy kind of mean girl type girls everyone used to call them the rich girls because although there weren't really loads of like super rich people at my school it was like a reference to the fact that in American teen films it's always the really rich ones who are super popular and nasty so it was like even when we were in the sixth form and had these cliques it was kind of referencing like we'd grown up with these films so people kind of acted up but 
honestly, like the the um, the exact same kind of tribes of people that you get in Mean Girls existed at my school, and there was set tables for each group. We had our own table, and my kind of daily fear was one day what if I can't sit at this table because I'm like cast out and I have to sit on the like two-person table over there with all the other kind of orchestra people or whatever it is so that was really there but I think a lot of it actually came from watching, watching these American. films set in That's a different because I, I think it's like a feedback loop like when I got to my school in France someone was like explaining the courtyard to me and she was like those are les pops it's like the popular <laughs> <Les> pops <laughs> <laughs> that's quite sweet yeah that sounds much less threatening when you put it like that <laughs> but but then actually like it wasn't really like a thing it was just i guess because she'd seen teen movies and she was just identifying those that group as lip hops but they were just coincidentally the ones who had put makeup on in the loo and i was never in that group of people why do you love teen movies yeah, I think it's all of that and more. Like, uh, you know, it, it's so funny that what you're saying about it's always nice weather. Because that was one of the things that, like, took longest for me to click in, in putting together Beyond Clueless is even though I'm watching these 200 films and sort of trying to make something that can put them all together and be its own thing, like, it took ages before I was like, wow, I don't even having to put any effort in. These films just all look like they're set in the same world. And you'll have swimming pools. Yeah, well, I know it's remarkable. Like, I'm like, what? How do they all have swimming pools? It's the only time it's not sunny is when it's nighttime and they're in the swimming pool mm-hmm. at an inappropriate hour. But yeah, because I guess because one of the things is like they all start with the going back to school, so it makes sense to be autumn at that point, and yet then they all just exist in this like eternal autumnal balmy space. Even though often by the end of the film it's now graduation, so you'd expect it to be spring, but they never go through winter. Mm. So they just sort of jump from autumn to spring. And I think that kind of feels appropriate because what I love about that world is it's it's like stasis. It's like this completely alternate universe that is very controlled and very safe and incredibly insular. So like not only are you not seeing the parents most of the time, mm. but you very rarely see the outside world. Politics doesn't really come into it. If real events impact on that world, it's only really in the most oblique ways. It's never in a kind of direct reference to news or contemporary events. There, there are exceptions, though, to, to that. Of course, yeah. But then, then there are also, like, I feel like Buffy, for example, will really play on that daytime thing where you'll have the regular teen bit where they're walking into the library or into the school, and then it'll go into the vampire bits, and then suddenly it's always nighttime. I thought about Buffy a lot today, actually. Oh, yeah? I was like, yeah. why is there no Buffy? But then I thought... The Buffy movies. What? Not there were movies. I didn't know There's that. There's only yeah. one, isn't there? Yeah, the Buffy movie, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. not much to... They're making another up. one, though. They're remaking it. That's an excellent piece of information. I'm very <laughs> excited about it. I'll be tweeting about that later. Um, okay, so what are our favourite and what are our least favourite teen movies then? I, I well, because like you were saying before, and I completely agree that like Clueless is almost like a perfect film. Like It's structurally mm. very sound, and it, I think that's one of the reasons, even at the time, that it was very accessible to people well beyond their teen years. Um, My parents are not well beyond that. (laughs) (laughs) But genuinely, like, you know, that movie couldn't have made as much as it did without appealing to a very wide portion of society. Um, But for me, actually, like, the ones, and maybe this is just because I've seen so many of them, the ones that always appeal most are the ones that don't work that well, that are kind of very flawed or not, like, the best all-round film, but have, like, one strand that just is very singular or weird or interesting. And I find that so much more kind of stimulating, I think partly because it just feels like, A, when you're a teenager and you're watching them, 
often those slightly weirder, more idiosyncratic films are the ones you take to more because they feel more personal. And also just because it feels like it's kind of right that like a teen movie shouldn't know itself that well. It should be kind of mm. slightly deluded and slightly lost and slightly adolescent in its outlook. Um, so, yeah, for, for one reason or another, those were always the movies I took to. And I think about things like Idle Hands, which yeah. is with Devin Sawyer. <laughs> and, um, Big controversy. How do you pronounce the second name? We still don't know. I've been through every possible mm-hmm. iteration. Se- settled on Sawyer just for logic. The film Eurotrip. Oh, yeah. yeah, another great um, film, yeah. Which I think is slowly being recognised as like a, a legit classic, but it's been a long, hard ten years to get there. Quick question, is Matt Damon in the beginning of that film? Yeah. Because I remember watching that film at the cinema and being like, is that Matt Damon in the punk band? And only at this moment right now have I thought to clarify that with anyone. I thought you'd probably be the person to let us know. He was in, because they shot the whole film in Prague, and he was near, possibly in Prague or in a nearby city shooting one of the Bourne movies. No way. That's yeah. a great little snippet nugget of information. information. I really like Idle Hands. I saw that for the Quite first dark. time when I was about 25, and I just absolutely loved it. I, I just thought it was brilliant. It's, it's, it is dark, and I think that... So when I was watching Beyond Clueless, I was thinking, actually, at the time when I watched this, even though I was 25 years old, I didn't really think as much about kind of what it's trying to say underneath the surface. Like, it obviously is a silly film, but there's a lot in there that you can kind of unpack. And I enjoyed your And partly, I think, because you have to, like, to, to, to get the most of it and to unpack all that stuff, you kind of have to ignore other stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. Idle Hands, all the stuff I remember about it is the good stuff. But every time I rewatch it, I remember, like, God, there's this terrible subplot about the yeah. friends and this final half hour is awful. And, like, I kind of like that with these films, you so often have to take the rough with the smooth yeah. to get the most out of them. And it is a kind of gross out. And obviously it goes into that horror genre. And the mix of teen film and horror film, I think, is just an interesting kind of angle as well. Because so many of them... For me, that's that nostalgia of having your first sleepovers where you're away from your parents, you're watching something that maybe you're not meant to watch because it's like an 18 or a 15 and you're younger. So it's kind of bound up with a lot of that for me. And watching it again when you're older and you're like, I'm allowed to watch this and it doesn't frighten me has a different feeling. I think that when I rewatched The Craft, I think I must have watched it, I don't know, when I was like quite a young teen and then rewatching it more recently, I was like, this is actually terrifying and I hadn't really... <laughs> What about you? Before I started watching teen movies en masse, I was watching mostly French New Wave, which is just, I don't know, about my like weird upbringing. So I watched all it's of... It's a very sophisticated in point. Loads of, <laughs> loads of Eric Romer and La Colette Seigneur's. I had it um, on DVD. My dad got it free with the newspaper and it was just my absolute favourite film. My sister and I would quote huge chunks of it to each other. And then when I started watching teen movies, I just kind of kept it very quiet because I had all of this like, oh, I'm only into like fancy films. And then when I was 22, I was just like, these are my favorite films. And then I I don't know if you remember that, but like it just turned out that I'd like had seen most of them. Yeah, I think that is also something that's kind of interesting, like how our engagement has changed over time, like with teen movies. So like how we viewed them initially is kind of like, oh, that's what it's really like in America. That's kind of exciting. Or, mm. or maybe or also I was kind of like, it's really silly. Like, that's so not what my school is like. Whereas mm. now I can kind of like immerse myself into that kind of school life and really enjoy it. It's okay. like looking at yourself as well. Like the, the biggest takeaway for me of like revisiting all these films that I hadn't seen since I was like 15 years old is it's like watching it's like looking at old photos of yourself as a teenager like Mm. because you see 
like on one level it's just wistful nostalgic whatever you see a scene and you remember where you were when you first saw it but you also remember like what it meant to you and often that's kind of nice and like this trip back down memory lane or whatever but it's also kind of unnerving when it's like oh wow i really took that on board and that's not maybe the most healthy outlook on life or i really sympathize with this character and now this character seems so heinous to me yeah and it's kind of like haunting but good obviously that you sort of process who you were as an adolescent and that you've developed from that point yeah it's a good hopefully but i'm sure you know (laughs) 10 years from now i'll probably look back at how i feel now and worry again i mean a lot of my favorite ones are ones that i think carry a bad message and it's almost like it's kind of an indulgence for me to like them. So things like um, never being kissed, she's all that. The message basically is change yourself to fit in and you kind of find happiness in a way. And that is a bad message, but it's that kind of, okay, I know that really you should be able to wear whatever you want and it's fine being one of the geeks, but you're watching it and part of you is like, oh my God, I could be prom queen. And I think it kind of appeals to that thing around fitting in and popularity and there's something about it even though I saw it as ridiculous at the time, you're still kind of seduced by the story. But I do really, I like both of those films. So what's everyone's worst teen film? Because actually I really hate She's All That. Like I, I actually hate it for the reason that you've said. And also I find all the characters really annoying. And there's definitely a bit of like tokenistic race stuff. Um, but it also reminded me that when I was younger and I kind of found it annoying, my friends and I decided to make a, a film version, a little parody called She's All Pirate. Yeah. And it was about like um, the main character, I guess, like the Freddie Prince Jr. character, like saying, I can turn any girl in this high school into a pirate. <laughs> oh my God. So um, yeah, we didn't get very far with the script. But um, yeah, I actually find, yeah, I do find She's All That quite offensive in some ways there's loads well, that of bad things about it that must give you some affection it. for it the fact that you remember how close you were to it at that age to She's like... a Pirate which is obviously going to be a superior <laughs> movie had it ever been made I don't know if you've got any but bad how amazing that. that it's tied for you to like <laughs> incredibly negative feeling and incredibly positive feelings it's true like that's exactly the, the sensation that I love about these films is, is that weird dichotomy you end up in well, we were talking earlier, because you don't really think of worse films because they're so bad, and that's kind of their nature. Mm. But I just thought of one earlier called Picture This, which is just a very bad <laughs> film. It <laughs> seems like the entire plot revolves around a girl sending picture messages on her phone to her <laughs> on dad. On her video phone, yes, to her dad, who also has a video phone. This is in the heyday, oh, no, the, it's a newfangled invention, a picture phone. Well, you'd think, but it was made in 2008, so I really, d- I really don't understand... I think on the production schedule, it just got heavily delayed for obvious reasons. And then I don't know. Why was it made? What about you guys? Worst ever teen film? I think we watched one. It was one of those 80s great. Is it Porky's? Because that was so bad. It was it was like so awful watching it because it was just so horrible. And we thought, oh, it's like a classic. And I think we thought it was something else. And it was it was just it was just horrible. And I, I just remember being offended, and I didn't get offended that easily. So <laughs> I I, I'm going to say that one. I, I can't think of a specific film, but like, I've got very little time for teen movies that feel like they're not made for teenagers. Mm. And there's a certain strand of, like, especially kind of like Sundance premiering, US indie kind of cool, uh, often period set teen movies that are basically like 30 something writer directors trying to work through their adolescence. And they feel like they're so kind of cynically aimed at other people who are exactly that age to kind of recreate their golden years. And yet they're positioned as teen teen movies. And I find that kind of like, I just have no interest in it. And especially because I think like it's, it, it often just feels like those are the films that especially critics look at and go like, oh, the teen movie is, is back. Like the John Hughes era is reborn. And actually, no, like teenagers have no interest in these films. And it's just adults who kind of, assume that that should be what teenagers want to watch 
Can I ask you a really quick question about paint drying? Could you, in one sentence, maybe tell us what it is? Because it just sounded really crazy. Okay, <laughs> it's a hard really one stressful? in one sentence. As a, an act of kind of somewhat petty protest, uh, I did a crowdfunding campaign to raise money to submit a 10-hour, seven-minute film of paint drying to the British Board of Film Classification, the UK's we'll watching that next week. censorship yeah. agency. Um, and in March, no, February rather, of this year, they, they sat down and watched it and it got a U rating. <laughs> oh, excellent. So when will that be hitting cinemas? <laughs> I'm actually talking to one at the moment about showing it probably just the one time. It takes quite a lot of uh, space up in a daily schedule. Well, that sounds great. I think that's all we've got time for on the show today. Um, thank you so much for joining yeah, us, Charlie. Thank you. Thank you. Um, if there's any time at all, I think we're going to play out a tiny bit of another hit teen movie dance session. Wait, wait, this is crazy. I'm not a natural dancer. No, no one in my family is. Just move, have fun. We're here to have fun. Just you, me, and that patch of pubic hair on your chin. Just follow him and do what he does. This program was brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Visit our website at resonancefm.com to hear our vast range of original 24-7 broadcasts. Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support. If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.